Yeah, yeah. We're live. We're live. It's breaking the huddle. I'm Joel Klatt. Welcome in. Yes, this is a polka dot shirt. It's awesome. The show, Breaking the Huddle, sponsored by Dr. Pepper at every tailgate and home gate. It is the one fans crave. It's the one I crave right now. It's been a long day. I'm going to need a little caffeine before we get started here. Thank you for joining me on Facebook. Um, I'm really excited about this week's show because there's a lot to get into, including two teams in the top. Well, my five AP top six that are facing off uh, this week, Penn State, Ohio State, Gus, myself, Jenny, we're going to be there in the shoe. Can't wait. That game is on Fox. So this is what's going to go on today. I'm going to, as we always do, uh, give you my top 10 as I see them this week. Then Matt's going to come in. We're going to have a chat about the Heisman Trophy, what we've got going on in that race. And then I'm actually going to give you some chalk talk, some X's and O's about how Penn State get Saquon Barkley going, not in the run game, but in the passing game. That's right. So you're going to want to be here for that because I've got very cool stuff. Why is Penn State like the Golden State Warriors? Ah, oh, professional tease. You're going to have to wait to watch the Chalk Talk segment. Um, as always, listen, this show is only as good as the comments that we get because we have a really fun deal. Right after the top ten, you guys bring some snark, bring all of your hate, all your bias, everything like that, right? Throw them at me on the comments. Share it with your friends so that we can have more fun. And then we're going to try to get to some of those comments right after the top 10. And I'm going to give you as much heat back as you tried to give me. I think it's very fun. You should as well. Gosh, Dr. Pepper is so good. Um, let's get to the top 10. Remember, comments. Let's go. It could be about my polka dot shirt or my flannel tie, which is awesome. Let's go. My top 10 as I see them this week. I just did an Oklahoma game, and I've got Oklahoma at number 10 in the country. Okay, so here's the deal with Oklahoma. Um, I think Baker Mayfield is awesome, and their defense is like, Ugh. you know, it's kind of one of those things where it's like you maybe have one of those friends that you know is like really cool, and you always want to hang out with them, but then you always know that like, well, they're going to bring that one person along and you're going to have to have dinner with like, uh, but we like the other guy because he's so awesome that like I want to hang out with him. But that other friend of his is really bad. That's like Oklahoma. Baker is clearly like the cool friend and the defense is like, oh, uh, nothing to see here. Let's not invite him anymore. The defense has struggled so bad. They're 92nd in the country in pass efficiency defense. They gave up 268 yards on the ground. So we've seen them gashed on the ground last week against Kansas State. Then we've also seen them give up a lot of passing yards. And I'm a little skeptical. i got to be honest. If Mayfield's not on this team, I don't know if they're a top 15 team, much less top 10. Uh, he, he writes a lot of wrongs because this guy is phenomenal. He's fabulous. We'll talk a little bit more, I'm sure, about him. Uh, when Mac gets in here for the Heisman Trophy. By the way, uh, their next few games, they face Tech this week, so I'm interested to see how Texas Tech exploits that passing game. Then Oklahoma State and Bedlam, and then TCU. So they win three in a row, and we're talking about Oklahoma being right back up in like the 4-5 range. They'll be right up there in the playoff race with that big win over Ohio State earlier in the year. I'm sure we're going to get to uh, some Oklahoma fans um, being upset because not only with who I have at number nine, but also at number five. So let's get to it for number nine, Oklahoma State. What's up, Oklahoma State? I see you. 
playing an overtime game in Austin, Texas, getting through it. Um, yeah, it wasn't pretty. I understand that. They came in with the number one total offense in the country, and they score 13 points. Yeah, that's not sweet. I understand that. But every team is going to have a game in which they struggle a little bit, right? And it's like, how do you get through that? Can you still win? And Oklahoma State did, right? They did everything that they needed to do. Their 13 points in a win is the lowest point total in a win in the Mike Gundy era. He started coaching in 2005. Shows me a little resiliency, actually. Uh, resili- yeah, some resilience. <laughs> yeah, make a comment about that. Polka dot shirt guy can't pronounce, it, pronounce anything. So Oklahoma State is still in the top 10. They're at number 9. Everything's still ahead of them. They still have a chance to go to the Big 12 title game and uh, go from there. Wisconsin's at number 8. Listen, we know the narrative with Wisconsin. I think they're a really good team. I love what Jonathan Taylor's doing, the freshman running back. He's got over 1,100 yards right now. He's a phenomenal player. I don't know what they can be in the passing game. Remember, at, at times, I think last week they had three scholarship wide receivers. Three! What are we doing, right? I mean, they can maul people up front, but when someone stops their run game, is Alex Hornibrook the type of guy that you trust to win a big game? Remains to be seen. I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is. Love their defense, lockdown corners. Um, you know that it's not breaking the huddle, sponsored by Dr. Pepper, unless I say who? What's his name? Come on, Facebook. Write it down. Write it down. What guy do I drop every single show? Someone, make the comment, make the comment. Jim Leonard, the defensive coordinator for Wisconsin. That's right. We do not get through a break in the huddle without a little Jim Leonard. That was weak applause from the Yeah, there we go. Jim Leonard. Yeah, Jim Leonard. Yeah. That's how we do it. That's how we do it. Um, Taylor, by the way, in the last seven games did that uh, 1,100 yards. That's not a freshman run for 1,100 a season, seven games. That's incredible. Clemson, against my better judgment. When you look at what Clemson has done, it's been awfully uninspiring, in particular with Auburn's fall-off, in particular with Louisville's fall-off. And now all of a sudden you look at a team that's essentially even in the turnover margin. Their defense, which is supposed to be this great defense, has only forced seven turnovers. Their quarterback is dealing with an ankle injury. He's dealing with a head injury. He did not practice in their off week last week. They're incredibly fortunate via the schedule makers that they have an off week before who? Georgia Tech. So they face the option offense after a bye week. That's incredibly fortunate. I don't know about Clemson. i got to be honest. Everyone, listen, they're getting a huge bump because they are defending national champions. If you look at the teams that they beat that they're supposedly was their great wins, I mean, what's Auburn doing right now? Nothing. What's Louisville doing right now? A whole lot of nothing. Firing everybody. I mean, everybody. Jurich out. But Petrino, ah. Petrino, who knows? Okay, Notre Dame is at number six. Guys, Notre Dame is underrated. Underrated. How does that happen? Literally, like how does that happen? Notre Dame has been overrated for 77 straight years. Like straight, even in 88, they won the national championship, overrated. Notre Dame is underrated this year. How in the world does the AP have them voted where they're voted? In their wins this year, they're winning by an average of over 20 points. They're throttling people. They outrushed USC by 301 yards. Let that soak in. All of you watching in L.A., I know it's super hot today. It's like over 100 degrees. You're super excited about the Dodgers. 
And USC just got outrushed by 301 yards. That team is for real. I don't know if they can throw the ball. I don't know if they're going to be able to run the ball against some of the teams that we're going to put up here. They clearly weren't when they uh, weren't able when they played Georgia early in the year, but they only lost by one. That's a really good football team, and be prepared for this. Listen, I'm one of the people that think they should join a conference. Okay, it's 2017. It's not 1956. Notre Dame at 11-1 deserves to be in the playoff. Get ready for that. Because I don't think there's a team on their schedule that can stop their run game. We'll see with NC State. Big high after beating USC. They face NC State this week in another ranked matchup. Josh Adams, by the way, putting himself with a little Heisman consideration. I'll be interested to see if Matt actually puts him uh, in that top five. Um, Winbush is going to have to throw the football a little bit better, though. They can't just run the ball um, and, and win this thing. A couple of interesting stats. And let me nerd out with Notre Dame just real quick. Um, under Brian Kelly, they had never run the football more than 56% of the time um, in his history at Notre Dame. This year, their run percentage is higher than 62%. So clearly a shift for Brian Kelly. Remember that whole self-reflection. And then the defense. Remember Mike Elko came in, and uh, he's the new defensive coordinator. He came from Wake Forest. Last year, the defense gave up almost 5.5 yards per play. That's down to 4.8 yards per play, almost a full yard. That's a huge difference. Notre Dame is a very good football team, and the AP is undervaluing the Irish. Just saying. Um, All right, my number five team, Ohio State. Cue all the Oklahoma fans writing comments. I'll give you a moment while you do it right now. Hashtag boomer. Okay, here we go. Ohio State is number five. Why? Well, I've seen them twice. I saw them twice right before I saw OU. So these two eyes, which has been around football for, well, my whole life really, but really since I can remember would be like three, four years old, watching my dad's teams. He was a high school football coach. Let's call it 32 years. 32 years of football experience for me suggests that regardless of what happened in their game, Right now, this team is playing better football than this team. You can argue with me all you want. Any metric, any film study would show you that they're playing better football than them. Um, I understand, and I think wins should mean something, but this is still a subjective sport. And while it's subjective, I'm going to have to say, if they lined up today, who do I think would win? I think Ohio State would win. Um, They have one ace in the hole. And he's the cool kid that has to drag along his nerdy friend. Like, this guy, it's almost like it's his nerdy brother. That's, more, that's a better analogy. Like, Baker Mayfield's the guy that always brings his brother that's three years younger, and is just like the most annoying guy, right? Mayfield and his annoying younger brother, a.k.a. the defense. Anyways, let's get back to Ohio State. JT Barrett has been really good in the last five games. 18 touchdowns, no interceptions, 72% completion percentage. I understand the defenses have not been great. That's why I'm very excited to see what he does against Penn State uh, this week. They've scored 50-plus points in four straight games. They've gained 500 yards in four-plus games. That's the first time Ohio State's ever done that in their history. So they're doing something right on the offensive side. They outgained their last two opponents in the first quarter 390-35. to Let that sink in. They outgained their opponents in the first quarter 300 to 35 in the last two games. Is that good? 
That's good. Someone asked me if that's that's very good. That is better than this shirt even, which is saying something. It's polka dots. Um, all right, number four. I hear you, Frog fans. You were very upset. There was a couple of TCU bloggers that actually blogged about where I had TCU last week. You were very upset. I thought Joel was on our side. Listen, I'm on no one's side. I'm on college football side. So don't get you know, too excited about this either. Here's what I am excited about for TCU. I think their defense is better than what we're giving them credit for. I could be wrong, and they might lose a couple of games down the stretch, but TCU has got better play from their quarterback. Their defense is pretty salty. I really believe in Gary Patterson, in particular in bounce-back years. I think TCU has a really good football team. Um, I mean, they held Kansas to 21 yards, but that's like holding Jones Junior High School to 21 yards at this point. Kansas is really bad. I'm sorry we put you on prime time. It was a bit of a scheduling thing. We had to. We understand that you're upset, uh, but David Beatty's not going to get fired. Why? Kansas doesn't have the money. Um, fewest yards, by the way, since in an FBS game since 2000 for Kansas. TCU is really good. I can't wait to see how they play against Oklahoma. Uh, they obviously already took care of uh, Oklahoma State. They took care of West Virginia. We're going to get to this in subsequent weeks. As you know, or you should know in college football, TCU is the playoff committee's punching bag. They have been since, since it started. They drop further. You can, do it. You can actually go and, and study this. I've already done it because I'm a football nerd. Um, they drop more spots in the playoff rankings than any other team after a loss in college football. They've also dropped two, I think actually maybe three times after wins and dropped in the playoff rankings. Um, so I am very interested to see what happens with TCU. You already hear, there are people at other networks that are already starting to trumpet this whole narrative that like the Big 12 is so weak Really? By what metric? Because the last time I checked, their non-conference win was better than any other non-conference win in the country when Oklahoma beat Ohio State. Last time I checked, they beat Arkansas, speaking of TCU. They beat Pitt, speaking of Oklahoma State. They've got a winning record in non-conference Power 5 games, more than you can say for the SEC. So, the Big 12 is very, not very good. I would, I would here's my analogy. When you're talking about conferences and conference strength, okay, in college football, stop conversating about the best teams in each conference. That's not how you do it. Throw the best out, throw the worst out. Your conference is the bell curve. Okay, so you take the two ends out, you take them out of the spectrum, and now what is your bell curve as a conference? Well, there's not a curve in the SEC. It's just flat. It just goes crappy, 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 crappy. Whoa, really good. Okay, that's they are so top-heavy, it's not even funny. The the bad parts of the Big Ten, very bad. They've gotten much better in the middle this year with teams like Purdue. Illinois is, is clearly not there, but even Rutgers is getting better. You can't say they're good, but they're getting better. And then they're very, very good at the top end. Okay, I would say that the Big 12, they behave most like a bell curve because there's not really one great team. And if you throw Kansas out, everyone's right here. Everyone. It's like... They've got a tough road to win the Big 12. I know that's not a popular narrative on some of the other shows and networks that you hear. Their narratives are lazy. I'm just telling you. They're lazy. Do the research. Check it out. The Big 12 is pretty strong this year. Um, 
And this whole narrative that the Big 12 doesn't play any defense, that's also false. Because if you look at last year's bowl season, Big 12 defenses actually on average held all of their opponents under their average to a greater degree than any other conference. Again, I'm a nerd. Go do the research. You'll find it out for yourself. Okay, here we go. Georgia, number three. Was that enough soapbox for you guys? Was that enough soapbox? Thank you. I appreciate that. Keep the comments coming. Let's go. Let's go. Keep the comments coming. Keep the snark coming. Georgia at number three. I can hear the dog fans being like, well, but, but Joel, last week we were, we were number two. What, what's happening to our dogs? Your dogs are fine. Just relax. You still are in a great position. I love your team. I love the fact that your quarterback, a true freshman, is seventh in the country in passer rating. Did you know that Jake Fromm leads the nation in passer rating on third down? Critical stat, critical down. Well done, Jake Fromm. I love the fact that the offense is pulling, is pulling its weight. Four times they've scored over 40 points in the last, I think, five games. They hung 50 on Missouri in their last game. They gained 696 yards in that game. That's their most in a conference game ever. I tried to do this research. I believe... It's certainly the most or the only time since '96, but they threw it for 300 and and ran it for 300. Never done that before in terms of since '96 on. Uh, our stats service only goes back to 1996, so that's the way that they're playing. By the way, their defense is still really good. I love me some Georgia. Don't get all bent out of shape. You're at number three. You're fine, Bulldog fan. I'm speaking to you, Mike Buckland. There's a guy on Twitter named Mike Buckland. He always hits me up about Georgia. It's kind of annoying. I've responded to him a couple of times. You're fine. Okay, relax. All right? And every, every day on Twitter, he's like, oh, do you think Eason is going to leave? Yeah, <laughs> I think Eason's going to leave. What if he goes to Florida? That would be amazing. <laughs> Jacob Eason, please go to Florida. I may pay you, and then you'd be ineligible. Uh, Penn State at number two. Love Penn State. Love what they did against Michigan. I think their defense um, might be a little overinflated for what they are. Uh, remember, they're the number one scoring defense in the country. However, they have not faced a top 50 offense yet. So we'll see uh, this week against Ohio State. Love what Barkley has been able to do. Um, they're outscoring opponents in the first quarter 90 to nothing. This is coming off a year last year in which they were outscored over the course of the season in the first quarter, 88 to 68. Um, and ever since Iowa, this team had beaten their opponents by a combined 84 points. They're doing everything necessary to be the number two team in the country. Um, I cannot wait to watch them play live. I really can't. I'm interested to see them play on the road and not in the whiteout environment. This game is going to be epic. I'm just telling you that right now. And then the team that I might be most confused about in the entire country, and you're wondering yourself, why is this jabroni confused with Alabama? I cannot decide. Help me out. You Just like, help me out with the comments. I cannot decide if Alabama is historically great this season or the SEC just sucks. I, like, I can't decide. Because Alabama, if you go by numbers, it's like they're never going to lose. This is the 0-1 Miami team. Um, and then you look at the teams that they're playing, and it's like, eesh. It's like Baker Mayfield's younger brother, right? I mean, the SEC is bad. They are bad. On one hand, Alabama is the only team in the country that has scored 300 points over the course of the season and given up less than 100. On the other hand, look who they're doing it against. Might be the softest schedule Alabama has ever played. 
ever. I mean, I don't know what to do with them. I don't know what to do with them. I think they're phenomenal. All the numbers are amazing. 72 games they've won in a row over unranked uh, opponents. 20 consecutive SEC regular season wins. Their average margin in SEC games uh, this year is 40. 40. Everyone's like, oh, my goodness, the Tennessee line is 37. I was like, Bama, Bama, Bama's covering. Bama's Bama's covering. Guess what they did? They covered. Thank you very much. Way to go, Tennessee, by the way. That was not embarrassing at all. Not only your performance, but also your touchdown celebration. Way to go. Butch, take a hike. Um, All right, there's my top ten right there. I'm sure no one has a problem with it. I'm sure Oklahoma fans are nodding along and saying, like, yeah, that seems pretty good. Uh, So let's get to the comments. Here we go. Comments, comments, comments. All right, first one. This this one came in uh, when you put Oklahoma at 10, and it's from William. He says, man, that shirt is so tight. I think it's affecting your thinking. William, <laughs> I think the term you're uh, looking for is smedium. Uh, Schmedium. Extra um, It is not affecting my thinking. I Listen, all you have to do is, is watch, right? This is a subjective sport, William. That's is what we do. Oklahoma beat Ohio State. I saw the game. I watched the film. The film that Ohio State is putting out recently against Nebraska is so superior to the film that I just watched of Oklahoma's win over Kansas State, it's not even funny. So I don't know what you want me to do with that, right? They both have one loss. I understand one team beat the other, and when it comes down to it, that's going to be a tiebreak at the end of the season. If they're close at the end of the year, obviously it's going to be Oklahoma because they earned it. I understand that, but at this point with a subjective ranking, William, unless you are dyed in the womb like crimson crimson and cream, there is nobody in the country that would say Ohio State is not playing better than Oklahoma. That's all I'm trying to tell you. Like I'm not saying that they they deserve to go into the playoff more than Oklahoma. We'll have that conversation at at a later date, but at this point in time, Ohio State is playing better football than Oklahoma. I don't think you can argue with me on that. I really don't. Next up is from Dusty. Uh, Notre Dame is so overrated because Georgia is overrated. SEC ain't what it used to be. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting, Dusty. I kind of like that. Um, I like that. I like the way that you're thinking. I don't think Georgia is overrated, though, and... What's, what's fascinating is it's be exactly because of the team. I'm using Notre Dame for Georgia, and I'm using Georgia for Notre Dame. Does that make sense? But also remember, Notre Dame beat Michigan State by 20 or more points. They just hammered USC, both all-ranked teams. And Georgia has done what they're supposed to do to weaker opponents, which is more than you can say for... Let's say Miami, who can, is constantly in one-possession games, which is why they're not in the top ten. I'm surprised no one brings up Miami. Miami's not in the top ten because they're undefeated, but it's like the straw man's undefeated. They're in one-possession games with Syracuse. And, I mean, you know, speaking of Syracuse, Syracuse beats Clemson. Um, Georgia has not allowed that to happen. Everyone says, who have you beat? Well, who have you not lost to as well? Just something to think about. Something Before we about. get to the next big yeah. board, we got a lot of, you know, you give Miami no respect. Yeah, I was, I was, I was guessing that I was going to give uh, get some Miami heat. Name me a team on this board that loses to Miami next weekend if they play on a neutral field. 
Go. Anyone typing a team? You're lying! <laughs> I'm just telling you, there's no team up here that is not as good or, or, or inferior to Miami. Miami's done a great job. See, this is, and I tried to do this a couple of weeks ago. Basically, I pump your brakes with Miami fans. You're not back. You're on your way. Just enjoy it. Enjoy the quality season, but you're not back. You beat Florida State, who's a two-win team. They're two and four because you, you basically caught kind of a version of a Hail Mary, kind of a, a late touchdown pass. Who they play the next week? BC? Mm -hmm. Why am I blanking this? Was it BC they caught off the face mask? Does anyone? Uh, the next week you get playing a one-possession game, you catch a ball off the face mask, uh, and and you win the win the football game. I just I don't buy Miami. I just don't. I thought you were going to lose last week. It almost happened. It didn't. Uh, but my there's not a team up here that loses to Miami next week on a neutral field. If you have an argument for that, bring it to me. But I think you're wrong. All right, here we go. This is just some good, clean fun. Oh, here we go. Clat, my one-year-old that I am with right now can pick a better top ten than you. That's on the big board right there. Oh, this one, this is this one. I thought yes. it was just, a, oh, here we go. Let me, let's get this. My one-year-old that I'm with right now can pick a better top ten than you from Sean. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Sean. I appreciate that. Um, if your one-year-old can do that, that's pretty impressive. Uh, I've got... Uh, a son who is almost one right now. He's nine months. His name is Theo, and he cannot put together a top ten. So I feel I'm feeling a little of that parent envy right now. You've got a <laughs> one-year-old that can put together a top ten, and I don't. I don't even think my kindergartner can put together a top ten uh, at this point. Certainly not my three-year-old. So you're touching on a lot of parent envy right now, uh, Sean, which is uh, yeah, making me a little bit jealous right now. And you're wrong. Your one-year-old cannot put together a better top ten. Again, just bring me, bring me some evidence. Bring me some film. Bring me some metrics. Bring me some evidence that suggests that this is wrong. I mean, the, the ones that have the best argument, and I'm going to give you this, the, the best argument is the Oklahoma argument. But I didn't see Ohio State lose at home to a 30-and-a-half-point underdog, a team that they were 75-5-2 against starting their third-string quarterback the first time that he was getting a start and also playing the water boy Bobby Boucher, a.k.a. Joel Lanning, a linebacker and, and quarterback. So, I mean, there are circumstances, right? I mean, you have to do something with Oklahoma's loss. Uh, you got to do something with Ohio State's loss. In hindsight, Ohio State's loss is a lot better than Oklahoma's loss, right? All things being uh, considered. So, Sean... Um, your one-year-old can't do that. I am not going to have parent envy, and that is that. Thank you very much. Um, some some benign comments today. I, th I thought we were going to get a little bit more snarky. Yeah. We didn't. That's okay, though. Uh, we've got more time during the course of the show. Right now, Matt and I are going to discuss some Heisman, but remember, right after Matt and I discuss some Heisman uh, hopefuls and his ranking of the top five Heisman hopefuls, I've got a great chalk talk on why Saquon Barkley is leading Penn State in receptions. Why is he doing that? It has a lot to do with the Golden State Warriors. Stay tuned for that. You ready? A little Heisman action? Let's go. A little Heisman action with Matt Leinart. I don't know if you know, but he won the trophy. What year? Boom goes the dynamite. 2004. Who was runner-up? Who cares? The first loser. <laughs> <laughs> no, but for real, who's running around? 
Uh, let's see. 2004. Was it one of the running backs from... It was a running back. Arkansas. Darren McFadden. No. No. Who was it? Adrian Peterson. Yeah. What do you... Uh, do you like me now, Adrian All right. Peterson? All right. I'm going to go. He I'm was getting... better than you. He was a beast, and we beat them in the Orange yes, Bowl, but it's fine. you did beat them. Um, all That's right. true. Can we do this? Yeah. You ready for number five? He actually hit one of our defensive backs that year. I know he was a running back, but he hit like with the ball, and then he hit a defensive back, and it was like one of those cartoons when the feathers oh, go everywhere. He's... It's like, I was like, oh. I'll... I got a quick story real quick. Please. Uh, he was in New Minnesota, and Minnesota came and played us in Arizona, and I was on the sideline watching, and he turned the corner, and I've – I literally was cringing for our DBs <laughs> because he's a big, fast, scary-looking human being, and, and he runs, runs and he yeah. runs with anger. Yeah. And I was like, and the DBs come up and they, ch- I'm like, oh my god! I was yeah. like, oh, oh my god, dude! Oh. I've just never seen that. Anyways, but never won the Heisman. Matt. Did. Speaking of running backs, here we go. Number five, and I see he's down the list. I put Josh Adams for Notre Dame. Oh, I like that. I flavor like that. of the month. Flav- flavor little, of the month. He's got to get a little love after he, he just he, beat down. He's been Trojans. he's been great all season long, minus one game. Um, rushed for nearly two hundred against USC. Beat down my Trojans like uh, I mean an embarrassing game for USC. Uh, but this is one of the best rushing offenses in the country. Obviously, Sixth. he and Wimbush combine are really good and. And the reason why I like he's a great player, but he's got the schedule to continue to build. You know, yeah, he's got I mean, NC, State NC State this, State week, this week, Miami, Miami, Stanford. So he's got some big games. Obviously, Notre Dame, I think we both agree, is a legit playoff contender totally. for what they've done. I think Adams, if he finishes strong, if they win, he'll at least be in New York for the ceremony. Uh, I love his consistency as far as yards per carry. 9.2 yards oh, per yeah. carry. Crazy good. Uh, by the way, Notre Dame outrushed USC by 301 yards. That'll, number four. <laughs> that'll, that'll win you a lot of games. Uh, number four, Ohio State quarterback JT Barrett, which you will be out there. We'll all be yes. out there for this game this weekend. He needs to get more love. Like, I know we're giving him love. Do you think he's getting the love he deserves I don't right think now? I don't think he is. And I think this game, hopefully, if he wins and plays well, it'll really – I think cement his case, obviously, with a big game against Michigan toward the end of the season. Yeah. But you just look at what he's done in the five games since they lost, and we all know the stats with 22 total touchdowns, yeah. no turnovers. He's playing at a high level. The offense just looks different. I know the the competition has not been great, but he's – I mean, we play the quarterback position. I don't care who you play. It's always tough to go out there and play well every week, and he's done that. And I just think against Penn State, the number one scoring defense in the country – He's got a chance yeah. to make a big statement this weekend, especially going head-to-head against Saquon Barkley. I totally agree. I, if he, There's a good chance that you could have a legitimate like Heisman, not just like, oh, he's in the race, but it's like, wow, JT could win, will win, should win the Heisman after this week. Absolutely. I, I think that that's a possibility. I'm not saying that's, that's what's going to happen. If he plays well, though, that defense is very good. The stage is there for him. And he's been playing, he's been on fire. Last five games, 72%, 18 touchdowns, no interceptions. He's run the ball for 232 yards, four touchdowns. He's playing really good football. <laughs> All those people are like, oh, JT sucks. It's like, you know what? You suck. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Clap back. Boop. All right, number three, your favorite player in college football, Oklahoma quarterback Baker Mayfield. Dude, I love watching I lo- this guy I love play. me some Baker Mayfield. I-, I think he's also. I wish I was Baker Mayfield. In a <laughs> <laughs> he's True. also he, true should i tell a funny story Please. from last year yes 
if he if he watches this, which I'm sure he probably. Oh, won't, I'm sure but, he does. But uh, last year we're at the Oklahoma game, Ohio State. Ohio State, yeah. and we're in the hotel, and I'm I'm walking by. I think we we're going to a meeting, and they were staying at the same hotel. And I'm walking by, and Oklahoma's kind of in the hallway, you know, I was yeah. before games getting ready. And Baker Mayfield opens the door, just perfect timing. I'm walking by, he opens the door, he's in just a towel out of the shower, brushing his teeth in the middle of his doorway. And I walk by, he goes, Matt Liner, what's up? And I go, Baker, what's up? And I just kept walking. It was so funny. It was like that awkward moment because we never met, and obviously... Like, shoot, I was playing when he was 9, 10 years old, yeah. but it was like he was just in his towel, just brushing his teeth, I getting ready it. for a big game. It was I hysterical. Dude is um, like a gunslinger, and yet he leads the nation in efficiency. Dude, he, I, it, I love it. It's I un- love it. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And obviously we're both fans. I think when you look at his schedule with Oklahoma State, TCU, mm-hmm. he's just got he, he's kind of sneaking around. Obviously we both think he deserves – he's had a type of season that he deserves to win the trophy. He's got to play well against those teams. Um, and, and we'll see, but but the backloaded schedule is allowing him to make a big opportunity. The numbers are there, like you said, and just the knack for making the big play. And, I mean, he just big moments, big plays every week. Like uh, Penn State could win this weekend, win out without Barkley being great every week. I, absolutely, that's not the case for Baker Mayfield in Oklahoma. He has to be great every single week with that defense in order for him to stay in this race. So if they continue to, you know, march towards the Big 12 championship, if they win those games on those stages, trust me, it will be because of him, and he will have a great chance in this race. I agree. Number two, Stanford running back Bryce Love coming off the bye week. Uh, This week plays Oregon State. Should be a padded stack game. He needs to go off. National television, 300 yards. Um, But the production will be there, I think, with him, too. Because they have two losses, they have to win out. Yeah. Um, and obviously, we know the West Coast, and the, and people are not watching him late or play late at night. Yeah. But you look at the Washington schools he has left, and then Notre Dame. I mean, yeah. he's got big matchups coming against really good football teams. He cannot. I mean, they could win. He has to rush for close to 200 against Notre Dame. Like, he's going to have to go off against Notre Dame to have any chance. Well, his last game, he rushed for like a buck 50, and that hurt his numbers. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's how, that's how good that's he insane. is. And he didn't even play like the second half. So he's, he just, he has to be, he has to have eye popping numbers every week. Honestly, nevertheless, I, he's going to be in New York for the Heisman ceremony. I think he's having that type of year, but he's got to be special in those games, which, you know, he may. So, uh, David Shaw, just prepare yourself. This is, smells like another second-place finish. Whoever wins it, it just seems like right? this is, like, the easiest guy to put number two. Easy. Like, whoever you put up there. So you're going to go down the list, Toby Gerhardt, Andrew Luck. Christian McCaffrey all finished second in the Heisman Trophy. Uh, the, the only one just they got, yourself, they got, Jim, they got Jim Plunkett. The Stanford fans are like sipping wine right now. They're like back in the day. What is this Heisman? What is speak this Heisman? Of? I just I just saw an article. He wants to be a pediatrician or something. Bryce Love. He's Very smart. Classes. I do yeah. know that. Very smart. He's like let, that. That should win him the Heisman. Let alone. Um, all right, number one. Your favorite player in college football who you'll get a chance to see live. Oh, can't wait to watch him. Saquon Barkley. Mm. And, look, he's, he's the real deal. Yep. I think the talent to lead your team in what, receiving, rushing, returning, he's just got a rare blend of yep. talent that we haven't seen in a long time. Now, I do think the numbers are skewed at times because even against Michigan last week, the stat line was pretty good, but most of those yards came in the first series, the, the first yeah. quarter. There's that one long um, run. And the one long that, run. He didn't do much. He didn't do much, but he still he still does impact the game. 
in a great way. But I think I think lo- like a lot of players on this list toward the end of the season, this is the game that can really uh, almost win him the trophy. If he goes off against Ohio State on the road against that nasty defense, it's be tough for anybody. It'll else. be tough, but if he does, then. You know, I think that's as, as good as argument as any of these guys. He runs hot and cold, namely because their offensive line's not great at Penn State. And so if they don't scheme a way to get him one of those long runs, mm-hmm. th- they don't churn it out like right. Bryce Love does at Stanford no, or, they're, or they're Rashad big, Penny yeah. or Josh Adams. They're not churning out yardage. They're a big play, kind of feast or famine t- style of offense unless they're throwing the ball down the field. Um Stat that jumped out to me in preparing for this game, he is the first Penn State player ever, ever, and this is a storied history, with 3,000 rush yards and 1,000 receiving yards in his career. Wow. Good on you, Saquon Barkley. No doubt, and, and he's, he's one of them, certainly. I, I can't wait to watch him play, yeah. in particular against that defense and those defensive linemen. Um, I think that McSorley's going to have to throw the ball a little bit to get the running game mm-hmm. going because they're not going to just line up Oh, against yeah. Ohio State and be able to run the ball down their Absolutely. throat. Absolutely. It's going to be a fun game. You're going to be there, right? I'll be there. I'll see you there. That game's on Fox. I don't know if you've heard. Penn State, Ohio State. Check it out with us at that time. All right. So Matt's got his Heisman guys there. I didn't dis- disagree all that much with Matt there. Good conversation. Love Maddie. Thank you for coming in. Um, all right. Now I've got this great chalk talk ready for you guys because Penn State does some really creative things. And, and I got to give Joe Moorhead, their offensive coordinator, a lot of credit because he utilizes Saquon Barkley in every area of their game plan. Traditionally, what offensive coordinators will do is like, hey, I got a great running back. I'm just going to give it to him 30 times. But that's not what Penn State does. They give Saquon so many different ways to affect the game, to affect the defense. They give him the chance in the kick return game, and then they throw the ball to him. And this is what I love about what they do in the passing game, is that they treat Saquon Barkley like Steph Curry. Okay, When you watch the Warriors, Curry is constantly moving without the ball. Right, And they're setting screen after screen after he's running the baseline, getting a double screen on each block. He's getting another screen on, on, on the top, all those different things. Well, they're doing that to free up a great shooter, right, to get a great shooter space. Well, Penn State constantly runs Saquon Barkley off of screens in the pass game to get a great player space on the football field. Here's one of the ways that they did it against Michigan, okay? First of all, the set, what I would call is a three-by-one. So they put the tight end and two receivers out, and this is the wide side of the field, okay? So what that is going to do is that's going to draw this free safety, the one free safety, and he's going to have to play towards the field or the wide side of the field. Now what you've got is you've got straight man-to-man defense, okay? So I'm going to draw this figure eight around all the man-to-man players. These two linebackers are in what's called a banjo technique, okay? Meaning, like, if the tailback comes out towards this direction, this linebacker is going to have him. If he goes that direction, this linebacker is going to have him. That's important because of what happens at the snap. At the snap, Barkley is going to immediately take off directly to his left. So he's going to get the eyes of this player, and this player is going to immediately start to funnel his way into that short side of the field. Now, the best part of what they do is that this X receiver, this wide receiver into the boundary, he doesn't try to run a route. This is what's so brilliant. 
what you see is a lot of rub routes nowadays that it's like, oh, you know, we're, we're trying to act like we're running a route and he's in a progression. This guy literally runs up two steps and then eyeballs this player right here and essentially just runs into him. Borderline when it comes to legality, but as long as he's not sitting there and actually setting a block or setting a screen, what is an official going to do? He just runs into him. It's, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. This guy either has to come under that or go over the top, right? Genuinely, genu generally, because of the angle with which he's trying to cover, and then this guy attacking what I would call his upfield shoulder, or that, that on this one it would be his right shoulder, he's going to go under that screen. Saquon Barkley uses his speed, and he just runs a wheel, right, wheel, wheel route right down the sideline. So as soon as he goes under, now he's in a chase mode, and he's trying to chase one of the best players in college football, and you can't do that. All Trace McSorley has to do is receive the snap, put his eyes to this side of the field. It takes the safety right over to this way, and now look at the space they've created. It's a beautiful play. They pick the linebacker in man coverage. They get Barkley running down the sideline, and he's able to go down there for a completion. Uh, now, sad part is, is that he actually dropped that pass <laughs> against Michigan, um, but they do it in another way as well. So I'm going to quickly just kind of erase this and draw one more play for you, and this is the, the other way that they screen for Saquon Barkley and they do it over the middle of the field. So it's not just into the boundary. It's not just um, screening the linebacker. What they do is that they get into an empty set like this. Okay, so it's, here's the line. Then the tight end's right here. They've got these players, that uh, same three receivers over here. Now what they do is that they bring Saquon Barkley, and not, he's not in the backfield, but he's actually out lined up as a wide receiver. Okay, If you've got the same man-to-man, -man, I'm not going to draw the lineman, but if you've got the same man-to-man -man look like this, you've got the safety, you've got the corner there, what's so great is that Barkley is going to immediately start running a crossing route, and both of these players go and they immediately kind of start setting this moving screen. Now what Barkley does is he gets to that mesh point, and then he flattens out. That flattening means that when this backer goes over the top, there's space created right here. If he continued along this trajectory, he would make it easier for that linebacker to get over the top of the screen and then cover him. But because he flattens out, all McSorley has to do is drift, 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 and then he hits him right here, and then he can run up the field. Again, man coverage, this is what they try to do against man coverage. And guess what Ohio State runs? Not exclusively, but a lot of man coverage. So when you're watching the game, watch it with me, okay? Because this is what I'm looking for in the booth. As soon as Barkley is out on a route, watch for the pick plays. Watch for the opposing wide receivers or the opposite wide receivers kind of running a route slowly, looking to get in the way of that defender, just like the Golden State Warriors. Because when you've got a guy like Barkley that's great in space, like Steph Curry, when he gets any space, can light it up, you get him space at all costs. That's what Penn State does. That's what Golden State does. And that's what I'll be watching for on Fox Saturday as Penn State takes on Ohio State. Breaking the Huddle has been brought to you, sponsored by, I should say, Dr. Pepper. Uh, Dr. Pepper's delicious. I've got some right here. And Dr. Sp uh, Dr. Pepper is our sponsor. At every home gate and tailgate, it is the one that fans crave. We appreciate you watching. 
We'll be back next week. Check out all of our stuff the rest of the week. We're going to have Clat back coming out. We've got a monologue, uh, as well as my top five coaching candidates around college football that are not named John Gruden or Chip Kelly. So basically I'm saying the realistic ones. That's right. I'm going to have that for you. Check it out on social media. But for now, thank you for watching. We'll see you next week.